I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Seed DSO-1 is a daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and prebiotic formulated to provide benefits for gut immune function and whole body health. I take it every morning before I eat, which is when it works the best, and I have noticed a big difference in my digestion, regularity, and even my skin. It's nice that this benefit comes in a small package that needs no refrigeration and really is just a couple of simple, small pills. You also get this cool little travel vial in case you're traveling, so you don't have to stuff a bunch of loose pills in your pocket, which is nice. It's also nice that this product is so rigorously tested from a scientific perspective, which makes seeds probiotic research, development, and innovation programs a lot more trustworthy. So trust your gut health to Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com forward slash practical and use code 25practical to get 25% off of your first month. That's 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com forward slash practical with the code 25 practical. Good morning, Prakaptan. Welcome back. I'm in England, Newcastle to be specific, and I've been taking in the sights for the last week with Kai. I've got to tell you, England, from what I've seen thus far, is beautiful. Nice people, my kind of weather, strangely enough. And to borrow a word from the kids, a calming vibe. A couple of announcements before we get started today. First, our upcoming workshop, Are They Stoic, is the 21st of this month at 11 a.m. U.S. Mountain, 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Please do not miss the opportunity to register for it. You can find out more at actualstoicism.com. Second, for the time being... We're going to stop doing episodes on Thursdays. There are a number of reasons for this, some personal health reasons that I am not at liberty to discuss, but two other reasons are that many of you have written in letting us know that you can find it challenging to keep up with content when we release content every single day. So we're going to scale it back just a bit. The second is that our workshops are honestly a better place for the fireside chats because our workshops are essentially 90 minute long, live, audience involved 
fireside chats. And doing these once a month is far more, first of all, manageable, but it also allows us to create a much more valuable experience on a given topic. Our Stoic Sex and Sexuality Fireside, for example, was 60 minutes long, but we only had a day to prepare for it. It's by far our most popular fireside chat, and we've lamented since how much more useful it could have been had we dedicated a couple of weeks to preparing for it instead of just a day. So, update recap, go to actualstoicism.com if you want to attend this month's workshop, and Thursday episodes are no more, at least for a little while. All right, so today we have a meditation. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Here it is. In my father, I observed his meekness, his constancy without wavering in those things, which, after a due examination and deliberation, he had determined how free from all vanity he carried himself in matter of honor and dignity, as they are esteemed, his laboriousness and assiduity, his readiness to hear any man that had aught to say tending to any common good, how generally and impartially he would give every man his due, his skill and knowledge when rigor or extremity, or when remissness or moderation was in season, how he did abstain from all unchaste love of youths, his moderate condescension to other men's occasions as an ordinary man, neither absolutely requiring of his friends that they should wait upon him at his ordinary meals, nor that they should of necessity accompany him in his journeys, and that whensoever any business upon some necessary occasions was to be put off and omitted before it could be ended, he was ever found when he went about it again the same man that he was before his accurate examination of things in consultations, and patient hearing of others. He would not hastily give over the search of the matter, as one easy to be satisfied with sudden notions and apprehensions. His care to preserve his friends, how neither at any time he would carry himself towards them with disdainful neglect and grow weary of them, nor yet at any time be madly fond of them, his contended mind in all things, his cheerful countenance, his care to foresee things afar off, and to take order for the least without any noise or clamor. Moreover, how all acclamations and flattery were repressed by him, how carefully he observed all things necessary to the government, and kept an account of the common expenses, and how patiently he did abide that he was reprehended by some for this, his strict and rigid kind of dealing, how he was neither a superstitious worshipper of the gods, nor an ambitious pleaser of men, or studious of popular applause, but sober in all things, and everywhere observant of that which was fitting, no effector of novelties, in those things which conduced to his ease and convenience, plenty whereof his fortune did afford him, without pride and bragging, yet with all freedom and liberty, so that as he did freely enjoy them without any anxiety or affectation when they were present, so when absent he found no want of them. Moreover, that he was never commended by any man, as either a learned, acute man, or an obsequious, officious man, or a fine orator, but as a ripe, mature man, a perfect, sound man, one that could not endure to be flattered, able to govern both himself and others. Moreover, how much he did honor all true philosophers, without upbraiding those that were not so, 
his sociableness, his gracious and delightful conversation, but never unto satiety, his care of his body with bounds and measure, not as one that desired to live long or overstudious of neatness and elegancy, and yet not as one that did not regard it, so that through his own care and providence he seldom needed any inward physic or outward applications, but especially how ingeniously he would yield to any that had obtained any peculiar faculty, as either eloquence or the knowledge of laws or of ancient customs or the like, and how he concurred with them in his best care and endeavor that every one of them might, in his kind, for that wherein he excelled, be regarded and esteemed. And although he did things carefully after the ancient customs of his forefathers, yet even of this was he not desirous that men should take notice, that he did imitate ancient customs. Again, how he was not easily moved and tossed up and down, but loved to be constant, both in the same places and businesses, and how after his great fits of headache, he would return fresh and vigorous to his wanted affairs. Again, that secrets he neither had many nor often, and such only as concerned public matters. His discretion and moderation in exhibiting the public sights and shows for the pleasure and pastime of the people, in public buildings, congieries, and the like. In all these things, having respect unto men only as men, and to the equity of the things themselves, and not unto the glory that might follow. Never want to use the baths at unseasonable hours. No builder, never curious or solicitous, either about his meat or about the workmanship or color of his clothes, or about anything that belonged to external beauty. In all his conversations, far from all inhumanity and boldness and incivility and greediness and impetuosity, never doing anything with such earnestness and intention that a man could say of him that he did not sweat about it, but contrawise all things distinctly as at leisure, without trouble, orderly, soundly, and agreeable, a man might have applied that to him which is recorded of Socrates, that he knew how to want and to enjoy those things, in the want whereof most men show themselves weak and in the fruition intemperate, but to hold out firm and constant, and to keep within the compass of true moderation and sobriety in either estate is proper to a man who hath a perfect and invincible soul, such as he showed himself in the sickness of Maximus. A lot of this read as you would expect it to. Marcus's father was a great man, perhaps a stoic exemplar, but there was one part in particular that stood out to me, as a man, as it happens, Quote, his care of his body within bounds and measure, not as one that desired to live long or overstudious of neatness and elegancy, and yet not one that did not regard it, so that through his own care and providence he seldom needed any inward physic or outward applications, but especially how ingeniously he would yield to any that had obtained any peculiar faculty, as either eloquence or the knowledge of laws or of ancient customs or the like. 
Stoicism truly is the philosophy of the moderate mind, and Marcus's father exemplifies moderation in this succinct excerpt. He's taking care of his body, but he's not doing so as someone who believes the point of life is to live for as long as possible. So he's staying healthy, but he hasn't made staying healthy the top of his value pyramid, let's say, nor the base of it. He's also not trying to be the smartest man in the room, nor is he overly concerned with neatness nor elegancy. But he's not disregarding these things. Instead, he is partaking in them appropriately and as is called for. He so well manages these bits of his life that it's uncommon for him to require medicine and or a doctor. This isn't meant to suggest that stoicism, per se, makes you somehow less susceptible to illness or the need for medical intervention, but it does suggest that most people have some influence over their health. An individual who takes care to eat healthy, be physically active within reason, gets to bed early, chooses not to partake in much that would work against their health, that person is less likely to be frequently sick. At the same time, a hypochondriac, a health nut, or someone obsessed with outward appearances isn't going to be able to live as useful a life as they could have had they spent more time living in accordance with nature and a smaller percentage of time being worried, concerned, or chasing an ideal that wasn't, in the long run, particularly important. Live 80 years or live 90 years, there's truly no difference. It's more about whether you lived a good life for those 80 or 90 years or a bad one. No one is going to be standing around your casket saying, I'm glad he made it to 80. We can now celebrate his life more fully as he lived to 80 and not just 75. Living isn't really the point of living. The next part of this excerpt that caught me was, quote, but especially how ingeniously he would yield to any that had obtained any peculiar faculty, as either eloquence or the knowledge of laws or of ancient customs or the like. In my experience, it takes a lot to be so temperately positioned, i.e. our own health and mortality. I feel that the reason we are this way, especially I think as men, is that we are deeply unwilling not to admit we need help, but to admit we can die. Certainly we understand this intellectually, we know we're not immortal, but we tend to shy away from help relative to our health because we like to feel that our bodies are more resilient than they are and will last longer than they're likely to. To take an aspirin when we have a headache, I know a lot of men listening to this will think I never do that and my partner tells me all the time to do so, instead of just toughing out the headache, is to admit something kind of scary to ourselves, that our body might not be capable of dealing with this malady on its own. And if we cannot do that, then it might be true that we aren't immortal, that we can and will die. And again, we know this intellectually, but there's a bit of cognitive dissonance, I think, present as we decline the aspirin to spite our mortality and prove that we are immortal. At least that's my take. Marcus's dad did no such thing. If a condition showed itself to be getting the upper hand, he would seek a physic, that is to say a doctor. If a custom seemed necessary, even though it wasn't his own, and perhaps he wasn't fond of it, he would partake in it anyway. So let that be a lesson to all of us out there who don't take our medicine when our spouses or partners insist that we should. If it was okay for the father of the emperor, it's okay for you, too. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I appreciate you being here. And until next time, take care. Thank you.